Live from St. Vincent College in Latrobe, this is exclusive coverage of the 2018 Steelers Training Camp. Presented by Bud Light, famous among friends, and Spring Hill Suites Latrobe, where you can expect a legendary experience. And also brought to you by Lake Erie College of Osteopathic Medicine and LECOM at Seton Hill. Window Nation, visit us at windownation.com. And Excella Health, how can we help you today? Now, here's Adam Crowley. As I sat down and took in the scene here at St. Vincent College in La Trobe, a large shadow was cast, and it was Mark Caballi traipsing on in and then busting his head off of the Steelers Nation radio tent. Uh, we're going to have to put you in concussion protocol, Caballi. Yes. You know, you know what there, Adam? This is a hazard right here. You can't see it from the outside. It's about five feet tall. And I'm guessing I'm not the only person who's done that. Uh, funny that you should mention that, as I think I'm the leader in the clubhouse in that regard. I've, I mean, can we at least push this thing up a little bit? or We could. We're just trying to stay in the shade. It's hot today. This is this might be this might be only 80. the best day of camp though in terms of it's weather. The, no, the best day is Tuesday because it's the last day. Okay, that's a good point by you. But you know the temperature right now it's like 83. Are you staying every night? Because people are giving yeah. me crap for not staying every night. Who, who's giving you crap? I mean, who do you think's giving me crap? Lolly, somebody who's Pursuta, you know, Williamson, yeah. the guys who were here. Every the guy night. that the guys that you know closed it down last night. Yes, you know it was about 11, uh, 11 o'clock and Pursuta started to play. Uh, Bar piano? Yes. So I knew it was time to go. See, this is tremendous because the last thing Dale said to me was that Pursuit was playing piano at the bar yeah, last yeah, night, yeah. and you guys didn't talk, and no. then you come in, bam, that's the first thing you say to me. You, you know when he's about getting ready to point of no return, and it was early. My radio shows suffer greatly if I drink every night, and I, I can't do it anymore. I just can't. You just smoke every night. That doesn't happen anymore. I quit cigarettes. So I'm fine. I'm good. I'm safe. We're happy. So, you're staying tonight? No, I'm not. I do stay every night. I went home one night. The only thing worse than staying up here in this campus, in this dorm, in this awful bed, is driving back and forth on Route 30 for like 37 miles each day. So, that's this is the second worst thing. See, I'll disagree. I have to share a room with Wes, who's one of my good friends, but... It's two guys in an 8 by 8 room. It's either I sleep with him or I go home and sleep in a bed with my wife. So that's the move. I used to think, oh, you know, I have to stay up here. No, I don't. I, I go home as much as I want. I can stay as much as I want. You know, at least us older gentlemen waited till we're in our 40s to become wimps. And you're, you're what? Mid to upper 20s? You're, uh, if you had to curve. share a room, you wouldn't be here every night. Depends on who I had to share the room with. No, it doesn't. You wouldn't be here every night. I wouldn't be sharing a room. Somebody tried to share a room with me one time. <laughs> His name was Dale Gerdnick, and uh, I said no, and that was it. <laughs> Mark, let me ask you this question as it relates to the Pittsburgh Steelers and not the Pittsburgh Steelers media. Is this secondary actually going to be good? It could be. I mean, they got t- they got probably more talent they have right now than they've ever had, well, at least in my mo- most recent memory. Because it's depth, it's a lot of depth there. I mean, you're looking. At, I mean, it's unproven depth, but it's talented depth all across the board. So, plus, finally, you have that go-to guy, that that superstar, that guy that can be the shutdown corner, and Joe Hayden, and you got the guy who's 
pretty doggone good and already burned. So, yeah. I mean, plus, Terrell Edmonds is a guy that Keith Butler said today, you know what? Don't count him out being a starter. So, where's he going to start? Mm-hmm. You tell me. Well, tell me right now. It may look like he could be a, uh, uh, well, he's not going to replace Morgan Burnett, so put it that way. Or it might be handed toward, hey, if he keeps on this path, he might be in that starting lineup before you know it. Because that's how, maybe not uh, uh, not a, you know something against Sean Davis, but how quickly he's excelling. Well, I want to, that's, that's where I was going to go. I mean, is he going to be replacing Sean Davis, or do you be that's in t- place of an inside linebacker? That, that's tough. Uh, that's tough because you don't think that Terrell Edmonds would be that guy that would be the free safety, the typical free safety. But they keep telling us, you know, they don't have to, uh, prototypical free safeties. It's left and right type of thing. If that's the case, then, yeah, well, why not? I mean, Sean Davis is a guy that's been oft injured in at least training camps over the past couple of years. And if this guy excels to the point where he can go out there and play multiple positions, why not flip he and Sean Davis? But it's still going to be a, you know, as Bill Cower used to say, a mute point because they're all, they're good, most of, a lot of them are going to play. I mean, Terrell Edmonds could play slot. He did play slot last year in Virginia Tech. They haven't asked him to do that now because they want him to get acclimated to that one position of strong safety until they start moving him around. But he's he's on the fast track, so I wouldn't be surprised if he gets in more than you would expect. Was Keith Butler speaking to the media as a whole or just to one Mark to and, uh, So will this be in the athletic actually, tomorrow? Actually, no. I'm doing something on your quarterback, Ben Roethlisberger, who is um, a 36-year-old man now having to deal with a lot of 21-year-old wide receivers. Oh, boy. And it's uh, oh boy. It's an interesting dynamic. There's a little bit of a, uh, a gap there in the communication skills. I'm not quite sure what Ben knows what Fortnite is. So is he is he chagrined with his No, players? he's not chagrined. He's just at the point where he has to find different ways to get garner their attention. You know, he, he's not going to have dinner over. He, he's not going to be, you know, having uh, candy and what does Juju eat? Those little candies, I don't know. Juju playing, fruits? No, whatever he likes. That would make sense. He's not going to be eating that stuff and playing Fortnite. Say, hey, uh, by the way, there, Juju, on that one play, you probably should have ran there. Nah, you got to get his attention. Some not only him, but it's the other receivers, mind you. There's Quadri Henderson's 21. Uh, I think eight of the 11 receivers are a decade younger than Ben. So it's a little bit. Uh, he's just going different ways, and that's why you're hearing him a little bit playing the father figure and yelling at some guys because he's trying to get some of their attentions. You know what's going to happen now. You know what you did. You're going to stir the pot. You're going to get the media all worked up that these receivers are divas. and that, They're just young. I know they're just young, but that sometimes that's what people think young means. But, but the thing is, is I mean, it doesn't Don't mean write it, Caboli. It doesn't mean they're Don't write other. it. This is on the quarterback's way of now trying to adjust how he deals with people. And that's why he flipped out on Justin Hunter. Because Justin Hunter wasn't paying attention. Now Justin Hunter's 27. Probably should be in a different class. But you do have 22-year-old James Washington, 21-year-old Juju, 21-year-old Quadri, 23-year-old Damon Patterson. You just can't go up there and say, hey, man, Let's just go hang out. It don't work that way. Ben got put it this way: Juju is about the same age difference away from Ben as Juju's the same age difference away from Ben's kid. So it's a weird dynamic there.
All right, that's a point well taken. Mark Caboli joining us here on Steelers Nation Radio. Mark, is Darius Hayward's Bay spot on this team no. safe? No, yes, yes. I thought you said he was going to go. He's safe. Yes. For sure. Absolutely, 100%. The guy's faster. I talked to him about this a couple days ago. He says, I haven't ran a 40 since college, so I don't know if I'm still 4-2. Because I can tell you one thing. I'm faster than I was last year, and I was faster than I was the year before that and the year before that. Um, Do you believe that, though? Oh Yeah, he is kind of quick out there. And it's not only that is they put so much emphasis on special teams, if it's covering, if it's the gunner position. Plus, what did we just talk about? A bunch of 22-year-old receivers. Okay. The oldest receivers, who's Antonio, who we know where his mind is, not a lot of times that's with his teammates. So you might need some sort of a fatherly figure there. So I, I think absolutely, definitely he's safe. Eli Rogers, definitely not. Well, he's just going to be put on regular season popping. You won't see him it's a good move. week eight, if that. They might just pop him the whole year. Type of so what do you got right now is your wide receiver depth chart? I really haven't broken down the depth chart right now. Break it yet. down. I don't know how many Break they're going to keep. Break it down now. You busted your head. You weren't planning on doing how many, that. How many do you think they're keeping? Antonio, Juju, I'm asking you. Washington. Those three are making it, yep. Darius, according to you, is definitely making it. There's four. There's four. Tucker, they Tucker. Need, need a slot guy, five. And probably Hunter, I, maybe. Hunter's interesting. I don't think a guy like Patterson is going to make it. I think practice he's, squad. He's practice squad written all over it. He's got a big Somebody, head. Does he? Compared to his body. I never really noticed. That's uh, one thing I picked up. Tevin Jones, Trey Griffey, those guys. Nah. Tucker's, I'm just trying to think of his own. A lot of these position battles turn out being less interesting than we all think they're going to be. I still hear them on that station across the street talking about. They're not across the street right now. Well, across the Route 30, then down the parkway, then. <laughs> through traffic. Through traffic. <laughs> Yeah, maybe I should stay here tonight. But they're still talking about the quarterback battle. There is no quarterback battle. I didn't I tell you there that never months ago. Been. I told you that months ago. You and I, hey, look, we're on the same page. I've been saying it all along, too. I mean, Landry is number two, slam dunk. Uh, Cros- Crosby, here I go again. Mason Rudolph's number three, slam dunk. And I feel bad for Josh Dobbs because he's playing pretty well. He's putting together another uh, good practice the other day. But it's just bar. only way Josh Dobbs makes this team is not cut, put it this way. There has to be an injury to one of the top three guys. Outside linebackers all, Or even himself. Right? If he gets injured, then that's then it's over. Yeah. That's the best-case well, scenario. Well, can he? Can they just say he's injured? Well, they've done it in the past well, <laughs> with guys. Jordan Sumwalt, you remember him? They Keon should just have Adams. him come out to Sharky's with us tomorrow night and get banged yeah, up. My final preseason game, you know, a minute left, all of a sudden you got a shoulder and you know, it's going to take six weeks. Let's put him on IR. Something's in his eye. And all of a sudden, he's Cataract. more valuable to them next year than he is this year. Yes, there's no question about that. Outside linebacker's interesting, though, right? Yeah, but Dupree just had a kid. I don't know what happened on November 10th of uh, 2017, but he and Marcus Gilbert must have been celebrating something. <laughs> Was that the bye week or something? What happened in the first, first week of November? You, uh, West Virginia, lost the football game. You were... I don't remember what was going on. You were you had the highlight of the pro, uh, post game, wasn't it? You who asked Mike Tom, who congratulated Mike Tomlin on what? On uh, Dupree having a kid. Who was that? Who said congratulations? No, that was Gilbert. Gilbert had the kid. Okay. Gilbert had the kid the other day. Okay, and Dupree had one today. I see. Dupree, well, that's why he's not here. Was that you who said congratulations? No, no. I thought it was. Somebody I only heard why, it muffled through the. Somebody asked radio. why Gil. I, I think it was Ed Bouchette. 
And he says, I didn't have that. It wasn't my kid. <laughs> Who do you think? So Farrington Huguenin got the start. Yeah. Uh, is he the guy? No. He's the guy who has the most experience, which means one year, right? Right. Who's the other guy? Danny. Yeah, he's 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 another guy. You, you hope he, Ola. You hope he can sneak him onto a practice squad type of situation. He's only twenty now. Who's your fourth guy though? Because I, I mean, Chicklos. I don't even think Chicklos good. Chicklos making the team. I know that. But that. I don't he's think he's good. Swing man for both of them. Keon Adams. I think those are your top four. I mean, I think there's still an inside backer issue. Yes, a big issue. But those three are the those three are making the team. Matikavich, Bostic, and Vin, Vince Williams. And then yeah, after that, I, I love LJ Fort. He's Do another, you? Yeah, he's another guy that his special teams outshines everything, and he makes it. But I like Keith so, Kelsey too. He's a guy that he, he's a different type of guy that they going to keep more than four. I have to. When you don't have any, you just keep numbers, right? I'd go the other way. When you don't have any, start sliding start sliding safeties down. You have to keep a couple extra safeties. That's what's going to be interesting about cut day in a couple of weeks is we're not That'll quite, tell you. We're not quite sure what their makeup's going to be because we don't know if they're going to keep an extra safety over an extra inside linebacker or what. What feel do you have from that just watching the practices? What, safeties or Just inside? over scheme-wise. Scheme-wise is they just want to have, like, that toolbox that has 30 different tools. You know, you have that specific tool just to remove a, a, a screw that had the broken head off with it when you're trying to unscrew yes. it. Sort of something like that. They want to have a tool for every single situation that calls it, hey, you know what? Uh, we, we need to have somebody to cover a fast but not big tight end. We'll play this defense. Um, we want a team that doesn't like to run the ball on anything less than third and two. So we'll use the dollar package so we know we're going to force them into the seven defensive backs. They just want to have a ton of different things. So on game day, if a team's gashing them, they can switch to it or they can game plan towards it. So I don't think we can sit there and say they're going to be a hybrid team. They're going to be a dying team. Obviously, they're going to be multiple defensive backs team. But uh, look what happened in New England. They went four defensive linemen and well, three defensive linemen. Outside Lambert took one out because they wanted the bigger front. They want to play man. They want to play zone. They just want everything. I like it. I think it's the way to go. I think that's the way the league is now. But at the same time, I'd like to see them get good at some things before they start rolling through them. Well, that's why they didn't unleash the old dollar against the... Well, they unleashed the dollar this week. They they, they did a seven-on-seven drill with a a lot the other day. But uh, I don't know. I don't know if we'll see it quite yet. But apparently it worked pretty decent in practice yesterday. Because when you get Roethlisberger holding the ball a couple extra clicks, you're thinking, okay, this must be working a little bit. If if he's holding on to the ball and not quite sure where to go, well, it must be working. So I think they're going toward that direction. Good stuff, Kabali. Can't go back have, to bed. Yeah, have fun sleeping in the dorm room. I'll sleep in a bed tonight. Real bad. No, it, it's a big Geo's night for us media folks. Oh, you're doing the Geo's yeah, dinner tonight. Yeah, you could have stayed if you wanted. I came last year to the Geo's dinner, and that's, that's the not... night that I lost my credit card, and it was delivered back to me by Kevin Colbert. So, really, I did not ever hear this story. Well, I'll tell you off the air. Okay, that's Mark Caballi coming up next. It's James Rapian from WLW in Cincinnati giving us the lowdown on the Bengals here uh, and what they've got going on in training camp. It's Adam Crowley live until four on Steelers Nation Radio. Black and gold football lives here, twenty-four seven. You're listening to SNR. This 
this exclusive coverage of the 2018 Steelers training camp. Presented by Bud Light, famous among friends, and Spring Hill Suites Latrobe, where you can expect a legendary experience. And also brought to you by Lake Erie College of Osteopathic Medicine and LECOM at Seton Hill. Window Nation. Visit us at windownation.com and Excella Health. How can we help you today? Now, here's Adam Crowley. I was with Matt Williamson and Tim Benz last night at Dino's doing a show, and we were talking about the division a little bit, the AFC North and the Ravens, the Bengals, and the Browns, and it got me to thinking, instead of us commenting from far away, why not hear from a guy who has been covering Bengals camp, and we speak now with James Rapine from ESPN 1530 and 700 WLW in Cincinnati. James, thank you so much time for taking your time to join us today. Yeah, absolutely. Adam, how you doing, man? Yeah, that wasn't English there. I don't know what came out of my mouth. I'm just <laughs> baking good. here in the hot sun uh, at St. Vincent College in Latrobe. Uh, James, what's the uh, what's the scuttlebutt from Cincinnati? How's the team looking? Uh, they look, look it's, it's been a mixed bag. Um, the offensive line certainly improved. Andy Dalton, I think, has, has had a, a pretty solid camp. And, and overall, I, I think things are going about as well as possible. Um, this year so far, camp-wise. Uh, that being said, we're talking about a team that's won 13 games over the past two years, a team that said and admitted this offseason they were in win-now mode. So the bar from where they've been to where they need to go, there's certainly a, uh, a gap there that they're trying to close. I think they think they've closed it. Uh, fans, on the other hand, I think are a little bit more wait-and-see, taking a wait-and-see approach with the Bengals. So we'll see how it goes. But so far, so good. Not many... Uh, major injuries or anything like that to report from Bengals camp. What's changed on the offensive line? Because just thinking about the Bengals from the last couple of years, I mean, the the skill position talent is there, and I think Andy Dalton is a good distributor of the football whenever he's got that talent around him. Uh, if the offensive line can hold up, then, I mean, that offense can be pretty darn good. Yeah, the offensive line, what they did is, is they traded back in the draft. From, they, they had the 12th pick originally, and they traded back to the 21st pick and gave that to the Bills for Cordy Glenn. So he's our new left tackle. They love him. He's under contract for three more years this season and two more afterwards. Uh, so they think that that's the guy who can be uh, and protect Andy Dalton's blind side for the rest of it, potentially the rest of his prime, certainly the rest of um, maybe Marvin Lewis's tenure, dare I say it, uh, here in Cincinnati. And then they also, with the 21st pick in the draft, they drafted Billy Price, the center out of Ohio State. So those are two critical positions that were weaknesses for the past couple of years. Uh, last year, left half, obviously, with Andrew Whitworth leaving. And then center, it's been a struggle for Russell Bodon. And he moved on to Buffalo, so the, the Bengals get better there. That being said, the right side of the line still pretty unsettled. They don't know who's going to, to start at guard, still looking to see who's going to start at right tackle. So those are the two weaknesses, I'd say, of the line. And, and even though they've upgraded and they've done things to make the line better this year, I still think that that's a point of concern. That's something worth looking at and monitoring. And they also fired their, or moved on from, I don't, I don't think they technically fired him, but their former offensive line coach, Paul Alexander, who was here longer than Marvin Lewis. He's been here since 94. And uh, they added uh, Frank Pollock, who was Dallas's offensive line coach last year. So they've done a lot to try to fix the offensive line issues. And you're right, this team does appear to have enough skill, position, talent it's a matter of keeping Andy Dalton upright and clean, and, and they hope that uh, their changes can go a long way in doing so. Did they break glass in case of emergency on John Ross? Are they actually going to use him this year? 
I hope so. Uh, he looks good in camp for the most part, and I know I'm in Cincinnati. I'm known as the Drown Ross guy, but it's because he's <laughs> a unique talent, right? I mean, he's had some drops at camp. There's certainly some things that he can clean up, but he certainly you, you can see that the ability. You can see why they drafted him when they did. You can see why they they thought that he would add a dynamic to the offense that they hadn't had at any point, to be honest, of, of the Andy Dalton era. And, his first preseason game, he almost had a touchdown, couldn't get the second foot down in the back of the end zone, but he had a catch, also slipped on a play that led to an interception. So it's been a mixed bag for John Ross, but I do think they're going to use him. I think that cutting Brandon LaFell over a week ago shows that they believe in Ross, they believe in Josh Malone, and they believe in their young wide receivers. So, yeah, Adam, I'm hoping so. I'm hoping when the, the Bengals play the Steelers, we're talking about John Ross uh, lining up opposite A.J. Green. Jeremy Hill, uh, no longer a Cincinnati Bengal. Uh, Joe Mixon scored that touchdown the other night. Uh, it is the Joe Mixon show then. I mean, this guy can be, I think, one of the better running backs in the league. Forget about all the other stuff. But as far as running backs concerned, I was enamored with him coming out of the draft. What's he look like? Has his body changed at all from year one to year two? It has. It has. He's gotten leaner. He's, uh, he's gotten stronger. I think he's down to around 218 to 220. He was at 234-ish. Uh, last year at times, uh, but he's just as explosive, probably more explosive so far this season than he was last year. And I thought last year he showed the ability. They just didn't have the play calling or the offensive line for him to break out like some of these other rookie running backs did. And, and I think that the, the offense should and will run through Joe Mixon and then Giovanni Bernard as well. I think this running game has got to be uh, such a, a big part of Bill Lazor's offense. They completely revamped the playbook. And early on, Obviously, it was one preseason game, only three total drives from the first-team offense. But it looked like things would run through Giovanni Bernard and Joe Mixon, or Joe Mixon and Giovanni Bernard, however you want to order them. Mixon lined up as a wide receiver a couple times. He caught, uh, he had a cut, touchdown catch where he made two defenders look silly. Um, and I, I think that that's the key. If they can get Joe Mixon to the level of the guys that, that out of his rookie class last year, I mean, he watched. If you look back at him, he, he watched guys like Alvin Kamara, who was drafted after him, Kareem Hunt, who was drafted after him, help their team make playoff runs and have a lot of success as a rookie. And then obviously Leonard Fournette was drafted ahead of him, Dalvin Coach drafted ahead of him, but they had success as a rookie as well. So I think Joe Mixon is just as talented as those guys, and this year might be the year where he gets to unleash it and show people. I know that we talked last year about uh, Ken Zambisi, and he wasn't utilizing the talent that the Bengals do have on the offensive side. Sounds like that's changing then. Yeah, uh, certainly. It feels that way. Um, and, again, we only have a couple series to go off of, but what I saw preseason game number one was very encouraging. Uh, I mean, Mixon lined up in multiple spots. John Ross lined up in multiple spots. There was a drag where Green, Ross, Boyd, uh, Mixon, Geo, they all contributed on a touchdown drive. That's not something we talked about or saw last year. We saw a team last year that, think about this, in the division, the Browns were 0-16, and, and they finished with, with more total offense. They had a better offense Jeez. than the Bengals did at 7-9. and nine. The Bengals are dead last in the league in offense. So it's one of those things where you hope the new playbook, you hope Bill Lazor can put the, the skilled players in position. And then after that, you hope the offensive line holds up for this Bengals team. So there's, there's a lot of ifs to get back to, to where they were a couple of years ago when they were in the playoffs every season. What are the early returns on the defense? 
The defense, uh, their strong point and their strength, and honestly, probably the best position group on the team is the defensive line. I think it's deep. I think they, they have stars like Geno Atkins. They have a, a star like Carlos Dunlap. And then they have young players. Carl Lawson last year had eight sacks, I believe, eight and a half sacks. I think he can do much better than that. He's transformed his body in year two. Looks uh, thicker, stronger, just as faster, if not faster, than he was a year ago. And the thing is, if he's going up against Cordy Glenn every day and beating him, and then beating him and beating him and beating him some more. So I think Carl Lawson, I wouldn't be surprised, 12, 13, 14 sacks for him. And then they drafted a, a kid from Ohio State. He's a local kid from Cincinnati, Sam Hubbard, who's had a, a good camp so far. I think he's going to contribute as well. Uh, so I, I think the defensive line is their strong suit. Obviously, the Bengals have new defensive coordinator, Terrell Austin. And he's going to, I think he's going to try to be more aggressive, try to force more turnovers. One thing that uh, last year, especially defensively, they didn't force a lot of turnovers. And that's something, especially if you have, as you know, issues offensively, turnovers set up your offense for success. So I think that's something we need to stress. And then just looking at the secondary, I think William Jackson III is a star. I can't wait to watch him line up against Julio Jones and wait on uh, Antonio Brown twice and potentially Josh Gordon if he ever gets on the field because that, that kid is really, really good. And uh, I think he could be an all-pro type guy. I think that you you sound positive about the Bengals. I think that they are a team that can absolutely contend and and possibly could be a wild card team. Uh, how do you see this season shaping up? What is your prediction at this point? Going into training camp, I said it, it, they might have the largest gap of in the league of potential wins and ceiling versus their floor. Because I think if things go awful. They could win five or six games, and it could just be awful. Like a lot of the national media is predicting for the Bengals. I also think if the weapons we've talked about stay healthy, I think if the playbook is what I think a lot of the players in the locker room think it is and they're buying into, and the offensive line holds up, I think this team could win eight or nine games. But they're also banking on a lot of guys who have had injury issues. We talked about John Ross. We talked about, or we haven't talked about him, but Tyler Eifert is a guy that they certainly want in there and they want him to have an impact. Vontez Bursick suspended the first four games this year. So there are plenty of, of what-ifs and issues to keep me from being all gung-ho on the playoffs. But I do think they have the talent, like you said, to make a playoff run, to contend for a wild-card spot. I could see 9-7. and seven. I really couldn't. I think it's realistic. As long as your, your more important players stay healthy, which you could say about any team, but I think more so it rings true with the Bengals, just because they have so many injury risks. Cody Glenn. They traded for him. He only played six games last year due to injury. So they have some injury risks on their team, and they're banking on them to be large, significant contributors this season. What's the buzz from the fan base? Uh, do they have expectations for this team? Do they think that 9-7 and seven is the way things are going to go? Are, are they still uh, – is it stale because Marvin Lewis has been there for so long? What, what's the fan base think about this team? I think it's a mixture. I think some fans – are like me and can try to look past that, that Marvin's still there. Honestly, but one thing is, it's not like Marvin isn't good at getting him to the playoffs, right? Sure. He's done it plenty of times, with, especially with low expectations. And uh, 09, he got him there with, with very low expectations going into the season. 2011, Andy Dalton's rookie year, he got him there with low expectations. But I, I think the fans overall are taking a wait-and-see approach. They want to wait and see what, what happens week one at Indy. Week two against Baltimore. Week three and four, they got Carolina and Atlanta. I mean, it's a, it's a tough uh, three out of four on the road to start the season. 
And if they start out two and two or three and one, I think fans will start to buy in more and more and more. I also think the key for the Bengals, honestly, they were just dreadful to watch last year. There were times they couldn't move the ball. It was really ugly. They need to be able to score points and just be more fun to watch. And I think that's that's a, a key factor when you're talking about fans. If you go eight and eight and you're fun to watch, it's one thing. You go seven and nine and it, it's awful Sunday. Just watching them grind through games and winning by you know winning on on a late score in Baltimore, they, even though they've been ugly offensively all season. I think that that's something to to take into consideration as well. So overall, I think the fans some have bought in a little bit, but I think it's more of a wait and see approach to see how the the season starts, and then if it starts well, they'll buy in like they have in the past. When you look at the AFC. Uh, if the Bengals' ceiling is 9-7, and seven, if they were able to get to that mark, you think that's enough to get into the playoffs? I think it very well could be. I think so. I, I, it, I mean, obviously, tiebreakers and stuff when you're talking 9-7. and seven, sure. But, yeah, I think a 9-17 and 17 will get in. Um, I, I think that ultimately, I think the division, 11 wins is probably going to take the division this year. Like, I think if Pittsburgh gets to 11, that'll do it. I, I don't see Baltimore getting to 11 or the Bengals getting to 11. The Browns certainly aren't getting to 11. So that, that's probably the mark. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of what if teams. Kansas City, what, what will they do? Um, a lot of the Chargers, what will they do? I, I could see plenty of teams making that nine and seven leap, and the Bengals are, are one of those teams. It's New England, it's Pittsburgh. I guess I'll put Jacksonville in there, even though I don't really buy into it completely. And then it's everybody else looking up and, and trying to, to get those final three spots. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, and I, I think the Steelers are going to have a worse record in the regular season than they did last year. I mean, they, they did not look like a 13-3 and team to me. You look at the Eagles at 13-3 and and the Steelers at 13-3, and and I think it it was totally different the way that both teams got there. The Eagles were overwhelming, and the Steelers, I thought, were underwhelming, although you'll take 13-3 and every every time. But I wouldn't be surprised if they were 10-6. and um, I really wouldn't. Uh, James, appreciate the time, as always, man, especially on a Sunday. So thank you very much, and I'm sure we'll talk throughout the year. Yeah, sounds good, Adam. Thanks for having me. Take care. There he goes. That's James Rapian from WLW in Cincinnati and ESPN 1530. I don't love the Ravens, but I think that they could potentially be a wild card team too. It just depends on the way the ball bounces, and I know that that's so cliche, but that team plays such good defense and has such good special teams that if they get anything offensively, if they look at all like a varsity team on that side of the ball, they could be a 9-7 and seven football team. That's all it takes. And they can affect the playoff race even at 8-8. Eight and eight. If the Bengals are 8-8, eight and eight, that affects the playoff race. Both those teams will be in it until the end, and then that affects the way that they're going to be able to play uh, against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, maybe the Ravens, if they fall out of it in the early going, that's a football team that plays Lamar Jackson, and that then affects the way that they can change this playoff race because Lamar Jackson can be that dynamic and he can make you think and have to prepare the differences for Cincinnati and Baltimore Cincinnati's schedule is a bear as you just heard right off the shoot and the Ravens they could be sitting there at four and one at three and one and I wouldn't be all that shocked given who they've got and if that's the case then they're going to be there all season long even if they're not that good People thought the Ravens were good last year. No. Two years ago, Steelers had to beat them on Christmas Day in order to win the division. Steelers wound up 11-5. and 
Ravens wound up 8-8. Eight and eight. Had the Ravens won that game, though, I think things change dramatically down the stretch. The Ravens were a play away from the playoffs last year. So the division, as not sexy as it is, and as much as people are writing it off, I think has a potential to be okay. And I think that the Steelers are going to be pushed a little bit this year, more so definitely than they were last year. Last year, not close. This year, I think they're going to get pushed. Coming up next, we'll take a look around the National Football League and some practice news for you today on this Sunday. It's Adam Crowley live until 4 on Steelers Nation Radio. Crowley. B.J. Finney took place in some individual drills today for the Steelers. I think that's a good sign. Here's the deal. We knew he'd be fine. We knew he'd be around. We knew he would be back in a timely fashion, but we didn't know he'd be back this soon. Now, it doesn't appear, according to some reports, that he will be taking part in the other drills, just individual, but uh, good to see him back in Steelers interior line depth, something we've spent a lot of time talking about on this program, a lot of time. And the interior line depth doesn't scare me. I didn't like the fact that you saw Filer and Finney in the game as long as we did, but I guess you've got only a few bodies, and you got to get those guys in there and get their work in so that they can prepare to protect Ben Roethlisberger if need be. Uh, if B.J. Finney's fine, then the interior line depth is fine. Uh, the exterior line depth is where I cringe a bit, and that's Chooks uh, Okorafor, who I get better and better at saying his name throughout camp. Uh, he looks good, but he's still young and unproven, and I'd like to see the Steelers have a more proven swing tackle along the lines of a Chris Hubbard. They don't have that guy, and that's just the reality in the National Football League. Most teams don't have that line depth. Uh, you're not going to see a great left tackle, a good left tackle, a serviceable left tackle who's cut in on the open market whenever cutdowns happen. You'll see guys with flaws. You'll see guys with injuries. You'll see guys who haven't done it in a while or guys who are unproven. You're just not going to see somebody who can be brought in and and be productive at that position. Now, if anybody can turn somebody from a scrub to a star, it's, of course, Mike Munchak. But that doesn't mean you want to bank on that all the time. You want to be able to bring in quality talent, and at least Chooks is quality talent. You can get after me on Twitter, at underscore Adam Crowley. I want to talk a little bit about the league. Uh, it's something I haven't done much on this show. I know Dale and Matt talk about the league a lot. Uh, I know we touched on the league last night when we were on uh, at Dino's on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Uh, the Browns looked much improved to me, and I didn't touch on them really in the last segment when I was talking about the division because I don't think that they can win it. And I don't think that the Ravens or the Bengals will win it, but I suppose if everything went right and then everything went wrong for the Steelers, then they'd have a shot. I don't think that the Bengal, the Browns, pardon me, do have a shot. I think they're ceiling. They're absolute ceiling. If they put everything together, bounce, the ball bounced correctly in every game, the stars aligned, I think they could. Don't quote me on They could win eight games. They could. Not going to happen, but they could win eight games. But they're a much-approved football team, and I think they're in the right direction, and that's a team that scares me. Scares me. A couple years down the road. Baker Mayfield looked excellent. Now, that being said, Baker did not play against starters, and there was one throw in particular that I do want to focus on. 
get down to the nitty-gritty, get down to the crunchy stuff. Baker Mayfield dropped back, threw a ball off his back foot, drilled it in. Defensive back didn't quite get the hand on it, and everyone's raving, oh, what a throw. Oh, he fitted it in the tight window. Oh, didn't know about his arm. Now we do. Oh, my God, it's great. If Baker Mayfield does that against an Artie Burns, who's not a great corner in this league, but just a good corner in this league, that ball's getting touched. Whether it's picked off or broken up, a hand's getting on that football. One of the things Baker Mayfield's going to have to work on is the fundamental side of the quarterback position. It's nice to see that he can get that zip on it with his back foot, but it's different going against the twos and the threes in this league. If he steps up in the pocket and puts that ball on the money, great. Then I'm talking about that today. But he didn't do that. It's off his back foot. Yes, it's on the line, but against the ones, against the twos, against the real NFL caliber players, that ball's getting touched. It's getting affected. So let's not go crazy talking about his arm just yet. He's going to be good, I think. I thought it all along. Wish he didn't wind up in Cleveland because I like the guy, and I will not like him the first time he throws a touchdown pass and runs down the sideline swinging his arms like a gorilla. I won't like him then. But I do think he's got a pretty darn good chance to be good, and I think Cleveland's got a chance to be good this year. Their defense last year was 7th in the league against the run, and Miles Garrett was banged up for a large portion of the season. He could be one of the top five defensive players in the game. Maybe not this year, but I think he can grow into that. That's why they brought him in. That's why they drafted him where they drafted him, because he's that guy. He can affect the game like that. And he's not been shy talking about what he can do, and he's not been shy talking about how he can get after Ben Roethlisberger. So I think that the Browns are pesky enough that you can't just write the Steelers in at 2-0 against them this year. I think that first game in Cleveland with that place rabid and those dogs barking, with Tyrod Taylor running out of the tunnel, with Miles Garrett probably being healthy, that that's a good shot for them to nip the Steelers. I'm not saying it's going to happen, although I might have made that guarantee on my show on ESPN Pittsburgh. I'm saying it's a possibility of happening, and the Browns are going to be at least competitive this year, and they should have been last year. Now, coaching's a big problem. Hugh Jackson, God bless him for everything that's going on with his family, There were two circumstances during hard knocks where I thought this is why this guy's not a good coach. One of them was when he's in the meeting room with Todd Haley. Todd Haley, who won more football games in one season as a head coach than Hugh Jackson has in his career, and he's stifling him. He's stifling every coach in that room. Bill Belichick, first of all, doesn't need to say this is my football team. Mike Tomlin doesn't need to say that this is my football team. But I think both of those coaches in that circumstance not only wouldn't have had to say that, but I think they actually would have taken what their assistant coaches had to say to heart. I think they would have known what makes you a good football team is taking opinions from other smart men. That's why you bring them in. So that, to me, wasn't all that good of a look. The other bad look, I thought, was when he's on the field, he's talking to Baker, and Baker's not feeling it. You could tell Baker's not feeling the getting there earlier. Tyrod gets here at this point. He wasn't feeling it. Wasn't feeling it, and... Yet, I didn't get the sense that Hugh was going to push. He didn't push quite enough. There's also a part in the show, and there some things are played up and taken out of context, I'd imagine, but he's pouting and moping about how poorly the practice is going on. You think Mike Tomlin ever does that? 
Mike Tomlin finds something positive that he's going to latch on to, and the negative things, he's coaching up. He's not going to sit there and pout and bitch and moan and complain. Instead, no, Mike Tomlin's going to make sure that his players improve. This has been the Cleveland Browns segment here on Steelers Nation Radio. Uh, I think that if they had a better coach, they're scary, and that's why in a couple of years they will be a little bit more to handle. And they could be rising up right as the Pittsburgh Steelers with Ben Roethlisberger getting older and Le'Veon Bell leaving uh, go downhill. As the Browns get better, the Steelers get worse. I think all the three teams in the division got better this year than the Steelers did. Now, that being said, let's see what happens with the secondary with just how much talent the Steelers do have. Again, get after me, at underscore Adam Crowley. The other thing from the preseason that I wanted to touch on was Saquon Barkley. And if you are a fantasy football fan, and I'm sure that there are a lot of you out there that are, this is a guy that you should pay attention to. And I'm not breaking any news there, but I thought he would translate. Scouts thought he would translate, and he did play one. Now, the next three carries, stuff, 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 but you don't think that they were doing everything they could to stifle Saquon Barkley off the line of scrimmage on his first carry. Great jump cut, great vision through the hole, and then we saw the speed, and he's dragging a guy downfield deep in the secondary. He can be a stud. He is a stud. He might be a top five back in the league already. Joe Mixon, feel the same way about him. Thought he would be last year. They didn't utilize him well enough. That's why Ken Zampisi got fired for the Cincinnati Bengals. I think both those guys are big fantasy pickups this year. And I think that, as far as Mixon's concerned, that team, it could nip the Steelers too. If they're going to flow through the running game, if they're going to allow Andy Dalton to be more of a play-action passer, and with the weapons that they have there, I think offensively, for as bad as they were last year, and James Rapine said it in the last segment, they can be good this year. I think they could be a good offense. Not just a better offense. I think they can actually be a good offense. The Washington Redskins lost Darius Geis. Uh, He tore his ACL out for the remainder of the season. He was a guy that I was paying attention to from the running back position. I like him. Uh, I like the Redskins, too. I I think the Redskins wound up getting the better of the, the quarterback exchange there. Kirk Cousins goes off to Minnesota. I think he'll be great there. I do. I think he's a good quarterback. But Alex Smith last year was fabulous. And I like what they had there with Alex Smith. If Darius Geis is healthy, he goes out with injury, and that obviously sucks. But when you see that happen, I think it makes it easy to understand why Le'Veon Bell's not here. And I keep peppering that in throughout camp. I keep putting it out there on Twitter from time to time that when a guy goes down, I think you should understand a little bit more. Just a little bit more where Le'Veon Bell's coming from. I'm not saying you got to forgive the guy. I already have. But I'm not saying you have to. I already have. But I'm just saying I can understand why certainly, certainly he wouldn't want to be here again. Now, on the topic of Alex Smith, the Chiefs are kind of an unknown. Uh, James Rapine brought that up in the last segment here on Steelers Nation Radio because Pat Mahomes comes in. Here's one thing I'll guarantee to you. He's not going to be as good, anywhere near as good, as Alex Smith was last year. Alex Smith last year was a bona fide MVP candidate. Alex Smith was one of the better fantasy quarterbacks in the game, which means he's putting up numbers. Alex Smith was doing some things we didn't typically see from him, throwing the ball down the field. He looked great. 
So if you're worried about the Chiefs, if you think the Chiefs might be a threat, and the Chiefs are on the schedule for the Pittsburgh Steelers, I like Pat Mahomes. I think Pat Mahomes has a chance to be a very good player. He's got a huge arm. I think he's a bright guy. He can be mobile in and out of the pocket. But he's not going to come in and put up the numbers that Alex Smith did last year. Not going to happen. So the Chiefs, to me, I'm writing them off. The Chiefs, to me, in week two for the Pittsburgh Steelers on that schedule, writing them off there, too. I think the Steelers are starting off 2-0, and although they're going to squeak out that win against the Brownies before they take on Tampa Bay on the road without Jameis Winston. And that's the one. Every year there's going to be one, like the Bears game last year, that you don't expect to lose. That scares me just a little bit. Yeah, just a little bit. And Jameis Winston last year and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they almost nabbed the Patriots, and if they had a legitimate kicker, they would have. If their kicker was halfway decent, missed three field goals in that game, they'd have beat the Patriots. That's one to be a tad bit worried about. Just a little bit worried. Tomorrow I'll be back from 3 o'clock until 4. Uh, You can catch me there. We'll be live starting at 8 o'clock right here on Steelers Nation Radio. There is a show tonight, yes from Dino's or Sharky is one of the places. I should have looked at the schedule before I started my wrap-up of the program, but we'll be basically live from now until the end of camp, which is on Tuesday night. Tuesday night, 9 o'clock, our camp coverage will be over. So if you haven't heard much or you want to keep listening, we'll be around from basically now until then. And I'll be talking tomorrow from 3 o'clock until 4. We'll look a little bit further uh, around the National Football League. I, I want to talk a lot about the New England Patriots and where I think they've gone. I think I might try to get uh, a Patriots writer on just to check them out, maybe a Baltimore Ravens writer as well, uh, as we'll go around the National Football League. And any notes from today's practice, we will get to as well. Thanks to James Rapian for joining me today on the show. Thanks very much to Mark Caballi for starting things off. Thanks to Wes, the mess, who's been tremendous here at training camp. People are liking him more than they like me. Uh, he's the guy who's going out and having fun with them. I'm just getting written off. It hurts. But thanks to him for being here from 8 o'clock until now this morning. It's like a real job. 9 to 5, 8 to 4. He'll be doing it all day tomorrow. You can hear me at 3 o'clock. Steelers Nation Radio.